This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I am Paul Gallant. It is Monday, July 19th of 2021. And the Mariners took another two of three from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, of California, of the United States of America, of North America, formerly of Pangea. They're continuing to do what they're supposed to do, which is weird to say that the Mariners are supposed to win a series against the Angels, but they are. I mean, they're a, I say, incrementally better team than Los Angeles, especially given that Los Angeles does not have Mike Trout. Now, things did get a little bit dicey. I know on Friday, I went to the gym Friday night, and it was... Very agonizing watching Kendall Graveman try to hold things together. He has Shohei Otani at the plate with uh, two outs and two guys on. And Otani with the Angels down three gets the double. And all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, no, are they going to blow this one? But Paul Seawald comes in and he closes things out. Saturday, uh, Yusei Kikuchi just didn't look so good. We'll get to him in a little bit. But then they wrap up the series on Sunday. And the guy who's been just awesome along the way, is Mitch Haniger, who did this on Friday night. Here's the 2-0 from Bundy. Swung on, blasted to center field. This is crushed. Back on it, Lagares looking up. It's off the rocks and gone. Mitch Haniger, a two-run blast to center field, and the Mariners extend the lead. Two more on the board. It is M's. He's been on fire recently. The last two weeks specifically. Over the weekend, 5 of 11, two home runs, a double, six runs batted in, seven runs scored. His OPS and his average have surged from 252 and 780, respectively, on July 6th to 266 and 831. He's in the midst of a nine-game hitting streak, and I think it is 100% fair to say this. He is never going to have higher trade value, for the Seattle Mariners at least. I'm assuming that he will be able to keep up this level of play. The statistics might increase incrementally over that period of time. What do we have? What? About 10 days, 11, 12 days till the trade deadline. This is a guy who earlier this year, when asked about some of his power numbers, is saying, hey, the power numbers are great, but I should be hitting more for average and the power should come naturally. He is a guy that is under team control next year there's one last year of arbitration that he has on his contract before he would become an unrestricted free agent so right now say the Mariners decided at the trade deadline that they wanted to move on from him they would get as much as possible what that would mean in return probably some sort of prospects I don't know if it's going to be anybody who would immediately help the Mariners in a push for the playoffs in 2021. And there's a chance that they don't decide to move on from him. I would hope that they don't because I think it doesn't send the best message to the fan base. And I know you're not supposed to operate that way. But if you're somebody who is saying, we have this guy in Hanager who is hitting for great power, who's a good fielder, who on top of that is a guy who can hit for, for average, well, what do we do? What should we do next? And I would say that I guess over the next 12 days, there's probably not a lot that's going to be done that would change your opinion one way or the other about what you want to do. I think right now, 
either you would like to move on from Mitch Hanniger, get as much as you can, or you're just hoping that you can continue to play this thing out. Jerry DePoto was asked about a possible contract extension for one Mitch Hanniger, and what we saw from Jerry is that it doesn't really seem that way. We're always open to thoughts like that with Mitch or other players. It's a... Uh... It's something we've used as in the past, whether it be with Marco, uh, whether it be with guys like Evan White. It's something that we have been aggressive with, even with some players who are no longer here. You know, we did an extension with Gene Segura. Uh, we're open to doing things like that. It's, and that has to be a marriage on both sides. So the, while I can say that that's something that we as a club consider for anybody, it, it's, a, it's a matter of the fit. The, the length and the cost is it's always what it's about for both sides. And, and we'll be open to considering that. And I'm sure Mitch will too. So that doesn't sound anything close to a lock that Hanniger is going to be extended. And honestly, it doesn't sound like a lot of progress has been made based off of all that we have heard from both parties involved. And also what tea leaves have been hinted at by certain writers who cover this Mariners team. I, I think there seems to be an expectation that, if he is here next year, next year would be his last year. We're at the trade deadline. Maybe you're moving him then. This year, though, he has more value if you were to decide to send him elsewhere via trade. But let's look at it from another perspective because, okay, right now that does not help you out. And you are definitely, I think, in the short term taking a loss. But in the long term, hopefully you would be getting somebody back, say you were to move on from him. But say you get to the end of your contract and you are Mitch Hanniger. You're going to want a lot. And at the end of his contract, right now, Mitch Hanniger is 30 years old. End of his contract, he'll be 32. Are you going to want, as a 32-year-old, to get the biggest possible contract that you can if you are able to play the way you're playing this year, next year too? Absolutely. And if you are continuing at this level, you could end up making a $100 million contract. And I, I wonder if the Mariners are actually willing to give that kind of a contract to Mitch Hanniger when he's 32. I, it's easier said that you would like to do it than actually following through the more that you think about it. Because you give him that big-time contract. We have seen guys at the other side of 34, 35, and all of a sudden their play falls off significantly. You're essentially, when you give these guys long-term contracts and they're in their 30s, you're basically saying, yeah, the first three or four years are going to be great, but the last two are probably going to be a, a, you know, a loss. You're not going to be getting the return on your investment that you, you would hope for. And obviously, you know, to an extent, we saw this here with Robinson Cano. How the Mariners were able to get out of that contract is honestly miraculous and get Jared Kelnick out of it as well. I bet the Mets are pretty frustrated about it, metsing it up, sort of like Taiwan Walker did yesterday with, with that entire deal. But if you are in Mitch Hanniger's shoes, would you be willing to take an extension? Say the Mariners offered you one now. Because obviously, I think that should be something that the Mariners should do. They should see, test the waters, gauge to see what it is that Mitch Hanniger is looking for. But if you're Hanniger, you want to bet on yourself. And if you are looking at a guy who is going to ultimately bet on himself, then maybe it is in the best interest of your team to trade now while you will get the absolute most value in return. It's a difficult spot. I, I don't think that you should 100% feel one way or the other about the idea of moving on from Hanniger because there's a chance that he might move on from you, and then what happens when that happens? What do you do when that happens? How do you react to that? 
So that's the question of today's show. If you're in Mitch Hanniger's shoes, would you sign an extension with the Mariners after this season? Some texts. Hanniger is great, but it's time to cash in. Another text from Craig. Don't trade Hanniger for less than anything that puts us in the playoffs this year. In other words, keep Mitch. I would like to keep Mitch for this season. Might not be that simple, though, because, again, his value is never going to be higher. Another text. Don't trade Hanniger for prospects. We have plenty of prospects. He's a proven major league player and the best position player on our team. Keep him, writes another texter. Trading Mitch Hanniger is absolutely insane. He is exactly the person we're trying to trade for. Why would you get rid of the person who is exactly what we have here for the future? Well, you don't know that you are going to have him for the future. You don't know that. That, that's, That's the wrench here. You do not know that he is going to want to come back if he hits free agency after the 2022 season. And yeah, you're thinking way down the road here, but I mean, that's why he's got so much value going into this trade deadline, because he is not just a rental for somebody. He is a two-year player. I would offer a five-year, $15 million a year contract now. That's, that's a fair one. But I bet he thinks he can get more with the way that he is playing. I bet he thinks that he is trending up as far as that goes, and of late he definitely is. So that's the question of today on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can, of course, listen to the Paul Gallant Show on your 710 app, your smart speaker as well. You can watch me and the giant eyebrows, 710sports.com slash video. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. And now it's time for What's Trending with Maura Dooley, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How are you now? I'm doing pretty wonderful today. How are you? Grand. Grand. Ooh, I like it. Yesterday was a long day, though. I took a lot of naps. Had a long Saturday night. What a rough weekend. Oh, no, it was a fun weekend. But, uh, yeah, yesterday yesterday was an interesting one. I was just basically taking naps, eating pancakes intermittently, and <laughs> listening to just absurdly idiotic uh, 1980s um, songs. Like, uh, like preparing for football season? Is that like an in-and-out-of-naps kind of? No, I don't know why. I, I've never I – felt, I felt the oldest I've ever felt. On, on Sunday. Now, <laughs> probably my own doing, but uh, yeah, it was an interesting day. But I had a good time. Good weekend. My voice is a little raspy, so you can probably guess what I was doing on Saturday night. <laughs> Singing. At the TV. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we do have some, you know, NHL news coming up here with the expansion draft on Wednesday. The Kraken's options for uh, the expansion draft were revealed yesterday as the NHL made the protection list public. Um, some of the big names that were available, goalie Carey Price, uh, Vladimir Tarashenko. Um, let's see who else. There's a few other ones that I know there's another goalie that we think might be of interest, according to Pierre Lebrun for the Kraken, uh, Chris Dreiger from the Panthers. the Panthers. And he's much younger than Carey Price. And now we are hearing that Carey Price does have some injury issues. I was reading to you and Danny earlier today that Frank Saravelli was reporting a hip problem. Pierre Lebrun says that Price was <laughs> seeing a doctor in New York this week reportedly regarding a knee issue that oh no. could lead to surgery and will also have his hip checked out. So that's starting to seem problematic. Good that that information is out there because at first glance, when you see a team like the Canadians not put Price on the exempt list after... A run that saw him single-handedly drag Montreal to the Stanley Cup Finals. It's proof that a great goalie can take you really, really far. And obviously, they just had no chance against Tampa Bay in the actual finals themselves. And he's proven time and time again that he, even if he's been up and down during the season, is money in the playoffs, which is Yeah. 
he's had a rough two seasons since I think signing that extension too. I mean, he was considered the best goalie in hockey not too long ago, and then for two years he's kind of fell back. But as you said, Mora, yeah, in the playoffs, always money, specifically money last year. So he's an interesting name. There's some other interesting names out there. Tyler Johnson, I, I feel like it's almost a lock that the Kraken are going to take him. He's a Spokane guy, and he played for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I think you need to take the best Lightning player that you can. So that's someone that I'm hoping that they will bring in. PK's- a couple of good young, young options on the Hurricanes, too, and we know that Ron Francis has already brought over some guys with hurricane ties as far as putting the team together. So uh, Jake Bean and Morgan Geeky are some options there. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he keeps up that kind of guys that he knows trend. They've done that already. I mean, John Forsland. I mean, know? yeah, but that's, I guess that's different because it's not players, but there Still, has though, to be a trend there. Yeah, there, there's a there's a little bit of familiarity on that front. Yeah, I wonder if there's maybe a sign-and-trade kind of option, too, that um, and, and there are some things that you can, I, I guess, do at this time where you can offer some of your draft picks to try and bring in somebody from the pan, from the uh, hurricane. So yeah, that's at the very least on the table. And the Golden Knights were able to, add, I think, add six more players doing that. Yeah, they um, traded picks. Acquiring draft picks. But uh, a lot of those got done earlier. There hasn't been much movement for the Kraken so far. Apparently, I think LeBron is reporting that other teams were calling the prices they were asking so far exorbitant. That's not a good sign. <laughs> But I, I get that you're trying to get as much as you possibly can. So I'm intrigued. Uh, P.K. Subban has not played great the last couple of seasons, but that is a name I would just, I think from a star power standpoint, that is a very fun guy to root for. Oh, the definitely. Problem, the problem is it's probably been two years since he's been at his best. So anyway, I'm intrigued. Uh, Wednesdays when this all takes place, we'll know who the Seattle Kraken are. What else we got? All right, next up, Scott Service uh, discussed Hector Santiago losing his appeal this weekend, and he didn't hold back on his true thoughts. Yeah, Hector's done a great job for us all year. Uh, I said from when this first thing, this thing first happened, how ridiculous I thought this was, and uh, unfortunate they decided to choose Hector Santiago as, as the guy they want to make an example out of, which is just crazy. But uh, it is what it is. I love it. I mean. Someone's got to stand up for him, and I think the manager, being willing to stand up for him and probably risk a fine, that's a pretty cool move by Scott Service, and we've touched on it before. I mean, if you are looking for reasons to keep this core intact, you are given them often, and at this point, I just wonder what the holdup ultimately is as far as manager uh, Mariners management potentially giving an extension to both Jerry DePoto and Scott Service. This feels like a common sense kind of move at this point, and I understand there's maybe reservations over the past couple of years, but this year they have done a great job of putting this team together. And whether it's moves like Chris Flexen or just somehow staying the course after some pretty low moments this year, whether it's in the offseason with the Kevin Mather video or it's the shellacking that they took against the Padres before they started to play at the level that they've been playing at for quite some time. They've really, I think, done a killer job. And it's bizarre. I mean, that clubhouse has got to love service right now, especially if he's still just out of nowhere stepping up for Hector Santiago. So, yeah, I don't know what they're waiting for on that front. 
That's what's trending. Brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley every single morning at ten fifteen. This is the excuse me ten ten. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. So you get a chance to weigh in now. 206-421-3776 is how you call. You can text seven ten seven ten. Mac and Jackson Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me as well. At Gallant says the question of today's show. Put yourself in Mitch Haniger's shoes. Let's not look at it from the Mariners' perspective. You're Mitch Haniger. Would you sign an extension with the Mariners after this season? And say that answer is no. What could it take to change your mind? You answer that now. Your chance to be heard. Your voice. Your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. 710, 710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You always listen to trade offers, even for Gilbert or Kelnick. I doubt we will get enough for Hanniger to make it worth our while. So he's looking at it from the Mariners' perspective. Another texter. To quote J.P. Crawford, trading Mitch would hurt us. That would suck. We need that guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It would not help them out in the short term. Like, there's nothing you're going to get in return for Hanniger outside of, I would say, maybe a starting pitcher that is playing at the level as him. Same level as him, and that maybe has a year and a half left of team control. But I mean, any team that's going to be willing to trade for Mitch Haniger is going to be a contender, and any contender is likely not going to be willing to trade one of their better players who are playing well now in order to give that. That's that's just not how it works when it comes to baseball. It's generally, you know, the the rebuilding teams they will sell off their best assets at the trade deadline, and they will get it more future assets down the road. Uh, Venkat texts in. It's crazy to trade Mitch. He is what. We should be building around. I'd lock him up for five years, three years, $60 million extension, if not more. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he'd take that. I really don't know. Uh, Text. I would stay if I was Hanniger. The future is bright. The future might be bright, but you also have to look at the path that you've walked down, right? And the team that you've been a part of. And, and I think that there are still things that need to be proven as far as the actual direction, including the things that I just mentioned. Scott's service is not extended. Jerry DePoto is not extended. Uh, this text, I think, is an accurate one. Paul, in 2019, the Mariners got win 50 in game 124. In 2021, they got it in game 94. Resigned Scott. What he has been able to do, I think, is really impressive. Service keeping this team just above water. They have dealt with a lot of injuries this year, too. I mean, we found out this weekend that Evan White, and it's not like I was dying for him to get back out there. You guys know that I'm frustrated with what we've seen from his bat, but at the very least, you can probably chalk it up to his his issues, if you really want to, to the hip injury that he suffered, but he's going to be out the rest of the year. Kyle Lewis might be out the rest of the year. Kyle Lewis was the rookie of the year last year. And how much have you missed him? I mean, have you... Said yourself, man, I wish Kyle Lewis was here. Be honest with yourself. How often have you said that this season watching the Mariners? I mean, I have a couple of times, but I'm not going to act like I've been saying it a lot. I've barely said it. It's basically been when thinking about, oh, yeah, Kyle Lewis isn't here. It would be nice if he was. But he is not someone that is top of mind right now with the way that J.P. Crawford's playing, with the way that Mitch Haniger has been playing, with the way Ty France, who had a great game yesterday, even though he got plunked in the head as well. Shoot, I mean, Jared Kellick's got a three-game hitting streak going on. 7-10-7-10. I'll take the extension if I'm Mitch. I'm snake-bitten, and I'd rather take good dollars than risk injury to get a great deal. Maybe, you know, this is the interesting part about this, too. Athletes are willing to bet on themselves 
I think a lot of us, if we're given this kind of an offer, we're obviously going to take it. Oh, you're going to give me $60 million? Absolutely. So there's that side of it, too. I, I guess try to put yourself in the shoes of a guy who is playing the best baseball of his career that is in his early 30s that is going to have one last chance to really cash in. Are you going to take the first offer that the Mariners give you, or are you going to wait, get to the open market, and see what might be given your way? Especially after the contract that George Springer got from the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, the difference with Springer is that Springer is a proven playoff performer, and while a year older than Mitch Haneker, has been more durable. Though maybe not this season. 710. 710 Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Like your hat, Paul, by the way. This is a uh, the Shorecrest Preparatory School of Fighting Chargers, but it happens to match any Sonic stuff. So this is perfect. A little Kelly Green, a little, little gold. Uh, we need new memories. Love the double, but Mitch Haniger needs to be a playoff highlight for the M's. Please don't trade him. Another text. No more prospects. The player I'm trading Haniger for is a top pitcher. And, I, yeah, I just don't know that you're going to get that. Um, I miss Kyle Lewis every day. We need a solid center fielder in the middle of the lineup. Back. You need him back. I hope he's back by the end of the year. And if he is back by the end of the year, that could be a massive shot in the arm. The question of today's show, if you are Mitch Haniger, would you sign an extension with the Mariners after this season? And if the answer to that is no, what would it take to change your mind? I'm surprised by the poll response. I put it up on Twitter. 80% said yes. 80%. That's a lot. I'm not sure I buy that, that Mitch Haniger is looking at it that way. I, I really think that for the most part, he's going to be looking at this with the idea, I'm going to be able to cash in seriously after the last year of team control that I'm under with the Mariners, which would be next season. His value is never going to be higher to trade him too. So th- these are things that you got to wonder about. It is not a foregone conclusion that he sticks around with you long-term. And if he's not going to stick around with you long-term, even if you have all this money to spend, then maybe you have to look at this in a little bit more of a creative and aggressive fashion. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. If you've got a text for Michael Bumpus, fire away. There is something that Russell Wilson seriously needs to work on, and I hope that he knows it. We'll talk about that next. It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're to fail. With Paul Galanis. And joining me, as he does every Monday, the one and only Michael Bumpus. Bump, how's it going, man? What's up, Galant? I'm doing well. How you doing? I cannot complain. So, the question of today's show is to put yourself in Mitch Hanniger's shoes. Would you sign an extension with the Mariners after this season, he's under team control for one more year. And if the answer to that is no, what would it take to change your mind? But I want to go inside the mind of an athlete here because I have a lot of respect for athletes who have the stones to bet on themselves. It's something that, especially for someone like Mitch Haniger, that I imagine is a little bit of a nerve-wracking uh, thought that, hey, maybe I'm never going to be playing at a higher level than I'm at right now. So I want to cash in for as much as I can. But if I get hurt, all of a sudden, it potentially changes. What's the process, I guess, like for an athlete betting on themselves? Because it's certainly a different perspective than I think the average person has. I think for a lot of us, just given the what happens every single day in this country, I think most of us, if we're offered a giant wad of cash, 
we're not going to say, well, I could do better. We're probably going to take it. Yeah, it, it all comes down to your personal situation, right? Every athlete, every person in this world has their own situation they're dealing with. Now, as an athlete, I'm thinking, all right, what does my wife think? You know, what does my what does my family think? What does my agent think? You're you're leaning on some opinions that really hold some value to you. And then you're thinking, all right, it comes down to two things, championship or money. Where where are you in your life? Are you so financially stable you're good? You have things lined up that you can take a pay cut or you can just settle and be with the team that you feel like is going to win or that you're comfortable. You're in, you're in Seattle or wherever city you're in. You, you like the donut shop you go to. You know, you like, you got your favorite dry cleaners. It's your lifestyle. Um, but money talks, man. And if somebody were going to, or is going to throw a big bag at you, you definitely have to think about it. Everybody as athletes, you're at different stages of your career. Typically, your first contract, you're not going to make too much money. You're trying to get through that first contract. Your second contract, that's where you try to make a lot of money. And then your third, if you're a superstar, that's where you really get the money. You get the huge dollars. So, you know, how does the how does the league view Hanegrew? You know, do they see him as a guy that they're going to pay a lot of money for because he's playing good baseball right now? Or do they see him as just a piece to come in and kind of help a transition happen in an organization? There are so many questions that have to be answered during this process. But, Paul, I think end of the day, it comes down to money. Do you want a bunch more money or are you good with where your bank account is? You had a bit of a different situation going into college, but I know as a five-star prospect, you're getting recruited by everybody. And I know USC came knocking, and that's in your backyard, essentially. And you've been on yourself going to Wazoo. I don't, I don't think that's an unfair uh, assessment to make of, <laughs> of, of, of that decision. And, and look, it worked. I mean, it, I, I would imagine that you, you, looking back, maybe you think, hey, like what would have happened in an alternate universe here? But that is the equivalent, right? Yeah, yeah, this, yeah because... I was number eight in the country as a receiver coming out, and then SC wants me to redshirt, and I'm like, no, nah, I think I'm ready to play right now. And I'm like, I'm going to go somewhere where no one expects me to go. I'm going to go somewhere where I can do exactly what I wanted to do, which is play. Now, if I stayed at SC, I probably would have a couple national championships, you know, some <laughs> some BCS bowl games. But in the end, I think it worked out, man. I'm here in the Northwest. Um, I got an education, met my wife. Um, I'm doing what I'm doing now. I have a business. I'm on the radio. It all worked out. You never really know, right? The grass isn't always greener. And I could have easily gotten lost in the shuffle over there. There are so many good players that go to SC that just get lost. And my boys are right down the street, Paul. I don't. That might not have been a good mix for me, staying in L.A. with all my guys there pulling me in a different direction. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Uh, Michael Bumpus with me in the sports pit. So I saw this headline bump from Pro Football Talk. And it is essentially that both Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger this year, they are going to overtake Brett Favre, you would think, as the most sacked quarterbacks in NFL history, which is understandable because those guys have been playing essentially forever. But I I thought to myself, Russell Wilson's been sacked 40 times a season. He can't be too far off the pace. And I was correct. So while both Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger have been sacked 500-plus times, to be specific, 521 times for Tom Brady. Ben Roethlisberger, 516. Russell Wilson, going into season uh, number 10, has been sacked 20 times, or excuse me, has been sacked 394 times. That is 20th all-time. I feel like he's definitely going to be the most sacked quarterback in NFL history, especially with the NFL schedule about to increase to 17 games. Man, 
there's nothing that has happened that says that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean? you, you can you you can get guys on this offensive line, but we have to see it. And every year, he's one of the most sacked guys in all the league. And now you add another game to that situation. I hope it doesn't get there, Paul. But um, the way that Russell likes to play the game. He likes to hold on to the football because he's waiting for that big play. He's going to take some chances. Um, it all says that it's going to happen, which it uh, it's unfortunate because I feel like that's going to be like a stain on Russell Wilson's legacy. Just like Brett Favre, right? We love Brett Favre, man. He played intense. But the interceptions, right? All yeah. we're going to say is, man, he took too many chances. So every quarterback has that little stain. But I can't think of a Tom Brady stain. Can you think of a Tom Brady stain? Well, I can't think of one. that sack number is surprising. I, I did not think that he would be that high up. And obviously, it's probably the process of accumulation. But you always think of Brady as being so good at avoiding the rush in the pocket. And Ben Roethlisberger, it's understandable because Roethlisberger – I think there are a lot of similarities between he and Russ from the standpoint of they love to hold on to the ball as long as they possibly can. Just a little different with Ben because Ben's just this big dude that's impossible to take down where Russ is able to dance around a lot of these guys. And I think that skill is diminishing slightly. So I'm hoping that he's working on that this offseason. I mean, but that kind of makes Russell special too. You think of the big plays that Russell makes. Right, if we put together a highlight reel of Russell's big plays, yeah, he's going to be against the uh, Rams, right? Yeah. where he extends the play. He's going to be holding on to the ball. He's going to be spinning out, getting outside the pocket. So you got to take the good with the bad. Now it's up to Shane Waldron to implement this offense that forces Russell to get the ball out of his hands, but also get him outside the pocket so he can be special. It's um, it's a dance you got to play. You know, you, you that's what makes Russell special. That's what kind of um, frustrates people at times. But I'll take it, man. He he throws a great deep ball, and he's he's done well for this organization. This is the question of the day from a listener, Bump. 710-710, Mac and Jacksburg and Company text line. Question for Michael Bumpus. Will the new offensive coordinator, along with Gerald Everett, start a great tight end connection? I've been very frustrated with the tight end and performance over the past few years. It's going down. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. He was the pass coordinator with the Rams. They had Higby and they had Gerald Everett over there. Both of those guys had over 400 yards, I think three or four touchdowns. When I watched the Rams play, now I realized that McVay is calling the plays or was calling the plays for the Rams. That was not Shane Waldron, but he had input in the scheme and the calls on down and distance and what they're trying to do with their tight ends. And I see what they've done with two tight ends over there the past few years, and it it – it makes me think that some of that will be brought here. You have a Will Disley who at one point was one of the best tight ends in the league, even if it was just for four weeks, mm-hmm. four or five weeks. He was one of the best in the Touchdown league. Touchdown machine. Touchdown machine. He makes a tough catch. He's a good blocker. And then you bring in Gerald Everett who can just run routes, man. Like this, this, He's a legit route runner as a tight end. He's good in the screen game. I'm going to go out and say, man, this is going to be one of the best years for tight ends in this Seahawks offense. Woo! All right. I'm getting excited. Also, I'm just getting excited because we're talking more and more about football. Training camp's right around the corner, and that is Michael Bumpus. Bump, thanks so much for stopping by, man, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. All right, Paul. Have a good one. Michael Bumpus, everybody, at MichaelBumpus5 on Twitter. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. We'll keep that conversation going. Put yourself in Mitch Hanniger's shoes. Are you willing to bet on yourself like Michael Bumpus did going to Wazoo instead of USC? Also, all of a sudden, we have a de facto ace in the Mariners' rotation. Right? Or am I putting the cart ahead of the horse? Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle.
Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Question of the day. Put yourself in Mitch Hanniger's shoes. Would you sign an extension with the Mariners after this season? And if the answer to that is no, what would it take to change your mind? I'm guessing it's, I'm guessing it's going to be a hundo million or so to actually get Mitch Hanniger to potentially pull a trigger on an extension ahead of time. That fact that he does have to play through 2022 maybe could be an advantage for the Mariners and that he thinks to himself, am I going to be able to maintain this level of play? But you would think that assuming he's healthy, he would be. And uh, some people are texting in, well, I mean, does he believe that he is going to be healthy all of that time? That's a, that is actually a good question. I don't know how I would feel on that front. I think for some players, you're going to say, well, I, I mean, I was just unlucky. That happened. Is it going to happen again? But maybe it will happen again. A couple of responses to this. Of course, our baseball consigliere, Luke Arkins, who's a great follow for those who like baseball on Twitter. Teams tend to be more careful, excuse me, comfortable with spending after a collective bargaining agreement is agreed upon. That's a great point. We don't have one quite now. In theory, Hanniger may do better by waiting until the CBA is a done deal. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a perspective I didn't really think about on that front. Uh, a tweet, Blues Hawks, it really depends on what he wants. If everything is based around getting the max money, maybe I wait. I have a massive injury history. If the deal is around where I want it, why not lock it up? Who knows if I get dinged up again afterwards? Sort of going to do what I was just saying about, hey, if you're Mitch Hanniger, do you 100% trust that you're going to be healthy going forward? This response from a guy by the name of Lance is just, I think, symptomatic of a lot of Mariners fans who maybe haven't been paying close attention to the team this year. Which, by the way, I don't blame you. It's it's hard to pull yourself, I think, back in when it's been this many years of no playoffs. Or maybe you go back to 2018 where the team's almost good but not quite good enough and to be ever really a serious contender. Lance responds, a winning culture, fire DePoto and service to start. If you don't feel like there have been some real steps forward and both of them Scott Service Jerry DePoto have been involved with those steps forward I don't know what you're watching in fact I don't know if you are watching period 206-421-3776 is how you call in before we talk about the Mariners new best pitcher uh-oh it's our guy he's got the takes it's Robin in Kingston Robin what's up Hey, Paul, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, got a few things to say, but I do want to talk about Hanniger. <clears throat> I, uh, you don't trade him right now, uh, in my opinion, uh, for two reasons. Number one, his, his, actually his, his better value will be for a contending playoff right. uh, team next year at the trade deadline. So you're going to get prospects. And you're then, the can yep. down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, and it's a point that I've been harping on, uh, for a long time, but the Mariners, uh, the Mariners, are, what I really like about them is the dugout spirituality. And I'm telling you, Hanniger and Gonzalez are just there. Okay. And there, so you don't, to me, no, hold on, calm down. We don't <laughs> need to talk about this. Let's love the guy, keep him here and see what the heck happens at the end of the year. Uh, and also, you know, just, uh, the, the men's are, the, the, the Mariners are a good team. They're not quite this good, but they're a good team. They're going to be hovering around 500 and nibbling it at a wild card or whatever. But so that's to your subject. But I'm going to talk about another subject that I've seen that you weren't here for seeing. And I'm going to say about Richard Sherman, and this is a very hard point of view that I have. Uh, Richard Sherman loves Seattle because Richard Sherman still writes the rules in Seattle. He did when he was a Seahawk, and he's acting as he always has. 
It's just a new arena. Now, that's really harsh, okay? And I'm not unsympathetic to people who, you know, go and have some troubles or whatever. But it, it doesn't excuse but the things that he did. I, I, I'm with you in that. Like, we're all uh, hoping Richard is able to take care of things. But, I mean, what he did, he's very yeah, lucky that he's too. only getting charged with five misdemeanors. I, I agree with you. And misdemeanor, again, he writes the rules. He knew where he was. In my opinion, he knew what town he was in. If you were in New York or Boston or some other place, okay, this wouldn't have worked out this way. Also, just I, w- I tried to get in last week, and you asked a one word, uh, sta- you know, one word <laughs> about Jared Kellenick, and and I checked this out now. Okay, okay. It's in, you'll find it in Webster. Okay, here's the word: not a five-tool player. It's in Webster, Paul. Okay, it's in the dictionary. Wait, not really? Five-tool player. See, yeah, oh yeah, see Jared Kelnick. Absolutely, okay. it's in, it, in there, okay? Oh, okay. You're being so sorry. what I'm saying this for is tongue-in-cheek. He's just simply not Ken Griffey Jr. Give the guy a break. Okay. okay? That's all. Appreciate yeah. it, Robin. All right, Paul, thanks. Great job. Good you stuff as always. You're rocking the world here. Thank you. I appreciate Bye. it. Always love Robin. Jumping aboard. You know what? That's that's fair, and I think we're always going to have that kind of comparison, though, right, for any super prospect because it's been a long time. He's not going to be as cool as Ken Griffey Jr. That's just not possible. I think, actually, Julio Rodriguez has a chance to be that, by the way. Like, I'm, I'm a little bit more excited about Julio than I am about Kelnick, and I always have been because there's just something about there's something about Julio that's a little bit different. Um, to his point about Richard Sherman, I don't know if he always r- wrote the rules here, but I do think that he is getting a lot more of a slap on the wrist because of what he has meant, not just on the football field, but off the football field to this city. And you know what? That's fair, and he's also got money, which means he's going to be able to give himself the best possible defense that he can. I think that he apologized perfectly, but does the apology mean that you should be able to, I don't know, plead not guilty to all five of the misdemeanors when it's kind of fortunate that you have five misdemeanors as opposed to any felonies or something like that? I don't know. I, 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 that's, I'll leave that for legal minds. Before we hit the road, I, Logan Gilbert's the best pitcher on this team, and he has overtaken Yusei Kikuchi, and he's overtaken him pretty quickly. Kikuchi has shown some issues over the last couple of starts, and you heard me talk about it after that start against New York where he just didn't look very confident. You go into the All-Star break, he's feeling sick, doesn't start in the All-Star game, comes out of the All-Star game, and now he's saying, all right, well, the velocity's down, I'm not feeling great about that, and on top of the velocity being down, I'm starting to feel, I guess, the wear and tear in the summer. These are all things you don't want to hear with him. So I'm a little concerned about Kikuchi the rest of the way, and I, I think he's got to make. Sh- I think he's got to prove that he can last a full season. I mean, he he has been awesome to start things off. But Logan Gilbert, my God, this kid's incredible. Ten strikeouts on Sunday, a career high, and the stuff that he shows, it's it's so. Filthy. I mean, the sliders that he had against the New York Yankees, they, someone put together a montage of it. I think there's like five or six where he just was breaking ankles, essentially, with some of the pitches that he was throwing out there. He has such command to this point, and I'm just so excited about what this guy's going to be able to do if he actually can hone in the other pitches that he has. That slider that he throws is something else. What happens if his changeup gets better? And I mean, he's six foot seven. He is thrown off the mound, and his his arm is essentially halfway to home plate by the time he gets rid of the ball. How much better is he going to get? I I'm really excited watching this this guy pitch, and I think you can make the strong case that he's got I think more potential than you say Kikuchi. Even with what we are seeing from Kikuchi, and Kikuchi's got nasty stuff when he's on his game too. 
But, man, Logan Gilbert is something else. Big thanks to everybody who tuned in to the Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, to the texters, to the tweeters, to our buddy Robin, to Michael Bumpus, who stopped by in the sports pit, and the one and only Maura Dooley, who makes this thing happen every single day. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacy is next.